0: Hello everybody, welcome to Stark Podcast number two, Ben Fransu here, Uh, Paul on my left and John on my right. Today we're talking about um, what we do when you've been doing CrossFit for say a year and a half, two hours. Relax Leanne, if you've been doing CrossFit for about a year and a half, two years and uh, the gains aren't really coming quite like they used to and uh, you're looking for ways to maybe increase your... uh, Your performance in day-to-day classes, or maybe in the open. So we're going to talk a little bit about some accessory stuff you can do after you've been doing crossfit for about a year. So, uh, Paul, I'll let you start off.
1: Thanks, Ben. Um, Yeah, usually after about uh, oh maybe a a year and a half in, sometimes two years, depending on the athlete, uh, you end up hitting a little bit of a a plateau, and um, you're not really, you might not see as many gains as quickly, uh, especially. You know, if you're only coming maybe a few times a week, uh, sometimes even if you're coming like five or six times a week, you're still going to see some slow progress. But uh, that's really when you need to start working on weaknesses. So obviously, you're going to know, you're going to find some some weaknesses in your training could be strength, it could be mobility, um, you know, that's, that's stuff you definitely want to be working on throughout uh, when you're starting, but, you know, there there is a point where if you want to get better, spending that extra time on, uh, on working on those weaknesses is definitely going to help and help get you to the next level.
0: Yeah, so a prime example of that is uh, John, so John, after, uh, you did the Open the year before, right? yeah. So uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the stuff that you've been doing after your first year of doing CrossFit, the extra stuff that you started to do between last year's Open and this year's
2: Open, and how it affected your performance. Yeah, so just, uh, like, analyzing it after you're done and seeing where you need to improve. So um, just working a lot on, like, strength was the biggest thing for me this year. So just, like, snatch and clean and jerk and squatting, deadlifting, that kind of stuff, spending a lot more time on that. And then, obviously, just... um, with the gymnastics stuff, like, making sure I uh, keep on top of that. Handstand push-ups is a big one, so just drilling a lot of those, so, yeah.
0: So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is um, how you would train a weakness in, like, a, uh, a metabolic conditioning setting versus, you know, maybe as something you do before or after a class. So a perfect example of that, um, I'd, I'd say it was probably a handstand push because we don't really see strict handstand push-ups all that often in a Metcon because... You kind of reach that muscular failure before you reach any kind of metabolic failure, so we don't we don't really see it in classes that often. So um, that's definitely a good way to use your time for accessory stuff is doing uh, movements that you might not necessarily see in class. Uh, so like strict handstand pushups, any kind of strict gymnastic skill, I think is probably good. Um, Paul, do you have any other uh, any other movements that you think would be good to do kind of outside of class that you don't
1: often get to put in the class workouts? Well, strength strength based uh, accessory work is is a great time to do like outside of class if it's not going to affect your class. Like if you're really looking at um, a workout on the board and you know that uh, you're going to be doing you know ring muscle ups in there and you're going to be doing using kipping ring muscle ups, uh, pull ups uh, stuff like that, you're probably not going to want to go and work on strict work right before that. Um, you could do it on separate days or even after class. So give yourself some recovery time. And then start working on some of that stuff. But uh, I'm uh, I'm a, a big fan of having the strength to support uh, kipping movements before you actually get into those kipping movements here. So if people want to get like kipping pull ups, they first of all have to have the shoulder mobility for it, and they have to have some uh, some strict pull ups in the in the bank there. So if you don't have either of those things, uh, like I'm not gonna start working on muscle ups. So we have people working hanging out after class working on like a muscle up progression program three times a week, and it's just, like, voluntary, so we've got some, some ladies here that are, like, 60 years old that are hanging out and working on strict pull-ups and strict ring dips because they want to get a muscle up, and, you know, that's, that's not the goal for everyone, and it, it doesn't have to be, but, uh, it's, it's really cool to see people hanging out and working on, uh, strict, like, strength work just to kind of, um, complement the, the kipping movements, and, uh, Just just having that muscular support and stability around the joints is really going to help and give you more control rather than just sort of like hanging off of connective tissue and trying to uh, just use momentum to, you know, maybe get you over the rings or get your chin over the bar sort of thing. But uh, it it does take time. Like building strength does take a lot of time versus, you know, teaching someone how to do a kipping pull-up. You could probably do it fairly quickly, whether it's, you know, within, you know, five minutes or a week or two weeks or something, but if their body's not ready for it, it, uh, it can potentially lead to injury.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, it, I think there's a lot of people that see CrossFit, they see people do kipping pull-ups, and they think they'll just like walk in, oh, I can't do a strict pull-up, so I'll just do a 100 kipping ones, and it's like you're kind of missing part of the progression, right? You wanna get a couple strict ones, and then it's like the kipping one is, once you've got pretty solid form on the strict gymnastics stuff. Um, the next one, I'll pass this one over to you, John. You uh, can talk about stuff that you like to have a coach around for when you work on versus stuff that you can kind of, like, do at home or, like, without a coach watching you. Like, what kind of stuff you would do in each of those environments?
2: Um, I'd say, especially if you're just starting out, like, anywhere – if, like, you've been training for a year, like, anything with Olympic lifting in it, if you're really serious about your technique, like, you need people watching you, like, whether it's just a reminder to, like, finish your pull or if they notice something, like, um, just with mechanics of that, just, yeah, like, that's important to have something, somebody watching you. But if you have, like, a pull-up bar at home and you really want to get good at those strict pull-ups or, you know, you do um, some handstand push-ups or something, if you kind of have a basis of that form, like, you can take it home and work on that but yeah i'd say anything technical like olympic lifting you definitely need to coach for definitely help you improve way faster so
0: i think another thing that's it's a little underutilized you can use like a video camera right especially if you're at home even if you're just doing pull-ups or push-ups if you film yourself it gives you a lot better of an idea of like what you're doing because what you feel is almost never what's actually happening right so it's like you know, if you feel like your snatch is awesome, put it on video and watch it next to Klokov and see if you still think that, right? Because it's, it's never exactly what you think. And even if it's like, even just lifting with other people sometimes is really, it's good to see other people because you, if you get used to, like, your own way of moving, you kind of get stuck in your own ways and you can kind of forget little things. Like, for me, it's like I forget to finish my pole a lot. So it's like when I hang out with guys like you and Caden who both have really strong final poles and then guys like Quentin, not so much, ragging on Quinton again but um, I think that's also an important thing to mix it up with the training partners you're working with. Um, so Paul, I'll throw this one back to you but we'll talk about um, finding what you need to do for accessory work So you can use you can use the open or you can use you know if you have any injuries or anything like that, they can also be kind of uh, evident to what you need to work on. So I'll let you talk about that a little bit
1: Yeah, the Open is a great way to kind of test yourself and find out where weaknesses are every once in a while. Um, You get people who are redoing the Open for a second or third year in a row, and it's like, well, the the same weaknesses are still there, but they're not wanting to spend extra time working on that skill work. Um, So, you know, say if you didn't have double unders last year and a workout comes up again and you're frustrated because you still don't have double unders, well, like, spend time working on it. Um, It's, uh, you know, it's not totally random like there are maybe what 16 movements or so that we do see and you know dave castro's adding more stuff now with dumbbells and all that kind of all that kind of stuff but it's not totally like you know unheard of uh, things that uh, that never happen in a, in a crossfit gym so it's just like limiting your weaknesses and uh and just i'm i'm a big fan of being as efficient as possible with your movement so if you are uh you know, if you get good at something, that's awesome. But your goal should be to get better at it. Like, how can I how can I get my pull ups more efficient, or you know, cycling the barbell as efficient as possible at different weights, um, uh, muscle ups, stuff like that. You know, go back to basics. If you're if you've already got fairly good muscle ups, throw like a rag between your feet and and work on you know maintaining tension throughout uh, throughout that muscle up. Uh, stuff like that is always going to make you better and. Um, you know, it's, it's something that not everyone wants to work on because you have to kind of slow down and and uh, take your time with it. Um, you know, we, we had talked about EMOMs previously, and whether it's doing, like, say, three, you know, kipping muscle-ups but keeping, like, a rag between your feet and uh, and just being as smooth as possible, um, just working on stuff like that rather than just banging out as many as you possibly can at a time. So it's, uh, it's really just, you know... Y- like I said, if you can use the the open as a gauge for what are my weaknesses and if you're really wanting to progress in that, it's just, you know, you, you've got a whole year to prepare. You don't shouldn't be deciding to in January and being like, hey, the open's coming. Like, I got to I gotta work on those handstand push-ups now because I haven't really done them this year because I hate them. And, uh, <laughs> and it's got to be like, you know, after the open. I'm not saying like the day after it's done, but like, you know, work it into, work it into your programming, or if it's a real weakness. I know, like, this year, um, afterwards, like, John was working on cycling his handstand push-ups, and he's got good handstand push-ups, but it was like, now let's see how, how much, you know, time you can cut off at the top and at the bottom of that handstand push-up, so you're not hanging out at either one, but really just finishing with that lockout, and then as soon as you come down, absorbing it, and, uh, just like watching you know Ben Smith in the games two years ago doing handstand uh, push-ups on the parallax, and they were just seamless like it was beautiful to watch and he ended up going unbroken for I think it was 11 or 12 reps whatever it was and it was just like didn't look it looked effortless and uh, you can tell that's well practiced it's not something that uh, you know just happened to come up and he happened to be good at it so obviously had a lot of experience doing that practicing it and, and training that throughout the year.
0: Yeah, I think, um, as you were saying, the Open is just, it's such a great tool to use when it comes to assessing weaknesses. Uh, Just because Dave Castro does usually such a good job of casting a pretty wide net of like movements and time domains, it'll be pretty pretty obvious, especially because there's so many people that do the Open each year. If you look at your, your worldwide scores in any of your workouts, if you see one of them that's like way lower than any of the other ones, it's like pretty easy to find whatever your weaknesses are. Um, The next thing we'll talk about quickly because John and I have both kind of gone through this ourselves. But another uh, way you might find accessory work is by uh, if you have any kind of nagging little injuries and you see a physiotherapist who says, hey, you know, you've got weak glutes or weak core, stuff like that. Why don't you talk a little bit about the
2: accessory stuff that you do um, because of physiotherapy stuff? Yeah, so like the last like month, I guess, I've been dealing with a little bit of knee pain and saw Kevin, our physiotherapist here at Stark, and he just pointed out that I'm like super tight like quads, IT bands, hamstrings, just pretty much everything lower body, and that Um, my knee that was actually in pain, like that whole like kneecap was being like pulled in. So I was like, that's why I was experiencing pain. So just really focusing on mobility for that side and then. Um, just strengthening my glutes, too, that was another thing. So just little accessory movements like that that you may not, like, feel in a workout. So definitely, yeah, important to be mindful of that kind of stuff and utilize a physiotherapist when you need it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, like little aches and pains can kind of be good um, indicators of maybe stuff that you need to work on. If your knees don't feel so good when you are squat, there's probably some accessory stuff you can do to – Even out the musculature that'll that'll help out a little bit. Um, Is there anything you guys wanted to add before we wrap this thing up?
1: Yeah, just uh, you know, spend if you're if you're someone who uh, you know knows that you have weaknesses, um, just just maybe even writing them down, setting some goals, talking to a coach, uh, and uh, and having a plan of action. Whether you want to do some of the stuff in the gym, I know here uh I love it when people hang out and you know when they ask like hey do you mind if I work on some strict pull-ups or you know some some dips or uh muscle ups whatever like it's just really cool having people hang around in the gym working on stuff that that they know they want to get better at and it's cool having them you know set goals so that uh you know they're they're not wishing for it they're working for it which is awesome to see um and you know some people might do some of that stuff at home or i just find like it, it makes it a little bit tougher if you're say splitting it up. If you can plan to come in a little bit earlier, if you're someone who knows that it takes you a while to warm up and, and get moving properly, then uh, you know, try to come in a little bit earlier and and, you know, whether it's doing some extra mobility work or um working on some imbalances, say maybe some glute activation and stuff like that, if you know it's gonna be like a, you know, a a heavier squat day or uh if you're doing any of the Olympic lifts, doing the full lifts, stuff like that just, uh, you know, coming in, getting activated a little bit sooner, spending a bit more time on that, or then even after uh, workouts, just hanging around and, uh, and spending time working on some weaknesses. So that's, I usually see the biggest gains with people when, uh, when stuff like that happens, like you're, you're going to come in, it's, Fitting everything into an hour can be sort of tough with a group warm-up, uh, demonstrations, if there's like a strength component, then a Metcon at the end. Um, you know, every everyone's going to get something out of that class, but if there's really specific goals that you have and stuff that you want to work on, then you definitely need to kind of sort of take ownership of that and, and spend a bit of extra time working on some of that stuff like right now ali's sitting on a box across from the the gym uh just doing like seated strict press with those dumbbells and uh and uh just working on that shoulder strength and you know we've we, it's cool seeing all of our coaches coming in and working on weaknesses and challenging themselves and it's it's cool that uh you know that i can see that in that uh you know, athletes in the gym see that and know that as well. It's uh to me that's pretty motivating.
0: Should also be added that Ali's using dumbbells I don't think I could even use for that many reps. <laughs> but that's what happens when you work on your weaknesses a lot, right? Get nice and strong. Um Oh, uh, the other thing that I really like that you said there, Paul was uh, at the beginning, he was talking about setting a goal for stuff like that. so if if, say, you know getting your first muscle up is maybe a goal, having that goal in mind, I think is really important too. And that can really help accelerate the process. if you're if you're working on your weaknesses and stuff, if you set a goal to like like a certain amount of reps or maybe just to even do something like that, I think that can help a lot. Any thoughts on that, John?
2: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like it's a little like like you can always get better in your movements so like even if something like improves a lot if you don't have a goal like you can't really keep track of that so if you like get like if you had like 10 muscle ups and then you get 15 muscle ups but that like wasn't your goal like you know like you could always you know it's not going to really be you're not really going to find that fulfillment out of it right so just like setting those goals and hitting those goals that's a little more encouraging I think than just kind of practicing them till you're like the best like that's kind of you are kind of shooting for the stars there so yeah just setting goals is a big one so
0: yeah like you said you don't want to be just kind of like shooting for whatever you just kind of like randomly hoping that one day you get 15 muscle-ups in a row but like you know we were talking uh the other day about it like you know you're not neither of us are terrible at muscle-ups we can both do them but it's like you are already talking about oh I want to get a set of fifteen like something like that like at least you have like a set goal for stuff that you want to do even for stuff that even if you're not it's not that it's a weakness but like I think having goals in general will help a lot if you've been doing CrossFit for a year and a half you can you can probably start setting some more ambitious goals of what you think you can achieve in the next couple couple months or uh, maybe before the next open when you're doing CrossFit any closing thoughts gentlemen?
1: Don't wish for it work for it.
0: Don't wish for it. Work for it. Words of wisdom from Paul. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week.